So one of the, the side benefits of being an Episcopal seminarian in Chicago back in the early thousands when I was, part of our, call it cultural formation, is that they sent us down to the Lyric Opera in Chicago to go to what we called Anglican Finishing School to learn cultural sensibilities. This was a big deal from a guy from South Jersey who thought that opera was what Springsteen sang about in Jungle Land. But it made a deep impression on me, particularly one piece that we were blessed to hear, which I came to understand, of course, is one of the, the classics of the tradition. It's Puccini's Turandot. Many of you have heard this. If you're a fan of that form of music, it's grown on me. But it's the story of how the great composer finished the work, because he didn't finish it. It was his last work, his big deal, his opus composition. But he died two-thirds of the way through the completion of the work. And then it was up to his students, his disciples, as they called themselves, to finish this massive piece of operatic composition. And so at the debut of the opera in Venice, the conductor, out of respect for that process of completion, stopped the opera, literally at the two-thirds point, turned to the audience and said, at this point, the master left us and then returned to the symphony to complete the opera. And my friends, that image is an invitation for us to get our minds into what spiritually happens at the Feast of the Ascension that we celebrate today. The master left his disciples, didn't he? He was ascended into heaven. But there, the analogy stops. Because unlike the continuation of our spiritual work as successor of the disciples of Jesus Christ, we understand that part of the work of completion is for us to recall that in fact the Master has not left us that he continues with us and in us through the gift of his Holy Spirit, who the gospel says continues to lead and guide us into all truth. So all of this is again a tutorial for our growth in faith today in your life, in my life. And it can be reduced down to this single question in your mind, what is heaven? Where is heaven? Is heaven indeed a location up in the sky, by and by, distant future? Because my friends, that is not what the Bible and the church teach. Heaven is not a place, my friends. Heaven is a person. 
And above all, it is lived and experienced in our decision to become friends with that person of the risen Christ. It is our response, our decision, to become disciples in our life here and now. Heaven is an encounter with the values of Jesus Christ in your life, in my life. It is an encounter with the justice and the mercy and the forgiveness of Jesus Christ in our decisions every day. Which is why the Catechism says this about heaven. Heaven is not a place. Heaven is not a condition in the next life, says the Catechism. Heaven is wherever God's will is done without any resistance. Heaven happens when life is present in its greatest intensity and blessedness, a kind of life we do not find on earth. That is what our church proposes. Hen heaven, it is said elsewhere in the Catechism, is again not a geography. Heaven is an interior disposition, our souls rightly aligned to God's path and plan and invitation. Heaven is an endless moment of love. In heaven, in our choices, nothing separates us from God. Because God, the Catechism said, loves us and has sought us our whole life long. And so seeing God face to face, not some time in the future, but today, in our humility, in our reconciliation, in our joy, in our delights, that, that is heaven. And the Bible today gives us three tools for working this relationship with Jesus Christ and his church. In the book of Ephesians, we see that the first tool we call wisdom. What is wisdom? It is not merely book intelligence, is it? It is not merely the sum of your education or your experience or your insights or your analyses. Wisdom the church and the scriptures teach us is something deeper. Wisdom is a grace from God that allows us to seek God first in our life. As Matthew's gospel says, seek first the kingdom of God and all else will be added to you. That, my friends, and not accumulation of data, that is a wise person. Secondly, the gift we see in Ephesians to deepen, to go further into this relationship with Jesus Christ through the mystery of the ascension is what Ephesians calls knowledge. Again, what is knowledge? It is not a syllabus. It is not a resume. It is not a set of capacities. Knowledge is again the grace, this is the church's teaching, the grace to look back on the course of your life and see God's hand leading and guiding you through your decisions, 
your failures, your triumphs, your joys, your heartaches. That pattern, that capacity to see the big picture, 30,000 level, foot level of your life, that is knowledge that God has a plan for your life and that we can, through the gift of wisdom, we can know that plan through God's church. And so, my friends, let us remember, again, Puccini and his successors were right. They had work to do to finish the opera, the unfinished task of the master. And, my friends, yes, today, so do we. We are called to witness, but not to a place. We are called to witness to a relationship, a fundamental option, the church calls it, our decision to live with justice and morality and truth that is not our own, that is given to us as a supernatural grace. And when that happens, we can become people who are ascension people. We can ascend through the pain and the suffering and the brokenness and the addictions and the self-centered traps we set for ourselves and our lives. And we can hope. We can hope that heaven is not something that will happen to us maybe in the future. But it can happen to us today based on how we live our life.